Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. God's good to us. Let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 17 tonight. And we want to continue with this uh, a covenant of blood. And uh, there's some things to we've talked about that we should always remember. And uh, number one is you have a covenant. And that'll be very important in tonight's message. You have a covenant. Number two, the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. There's the blood of the old covenant, if you want to call it that, and the blood of the new covenant. But nonetheless, it's a, blood, it's a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends and blood throughout. And thirdly, tonight, a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. A covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. And um, the problem that many people have is they will tell you they know they have a covenant, but their mindset is not a covenant mindset. And a covenant mindset for the believer begins along these lines that we have been brought into a covenant that God made. God approached Abraham when he was Abram. God approached him. God set the terms for the covenant. God made the covenant. God made the promises in the covenant. When you go through the covenant ceremony that God had with Abraham, Abraham made no comments. He wasn't asked to say anything. The book of Hebrews says that God said, because I could swear by no greater, I have sworn by myself. I've interposed an oath on myself. All right. And Titus 1, 2 says, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised. This is important where covenant is concerned because the person that, if we could say it that way, the individual, the entity that is in covenant with you cannot lie. Not will not, or not doesn't, he can't. And that's why you, got, got, you have to watch many of your paraphrases, because they'll say things like, God who, cannot, God who won't lie. God who doesn't lie. Well, there's a difference between cannot and doesn't. I don't lie, but I can. Well, don't look at me like that. I think you can too. You know, we don't, but you can, right? Want to make sure you all haven't attained perfection, I, right? But God cannot lie. See, that's a covenant mindset. Wait a minute. I'm in covenant with a God who cannot lie. I taught in healing school uh, Tuesday. That's why your confession is so important, because you're confessing what God said, confession by definition means to say the same thing. 
And so when you confess and you declare, I am the healed of the Lord, the Lord is my healer, and you're confessing that, you are confessing the covenant. You're, conf- you're, you're establishing the covenant in your life. Because when he said in the book of Exodus chapter 15, he said, I am, I am, so I am, it's one of those I am statements, the Lord, Jehovah, self-existent one, who heals you. I am eternally self-existent as your healer. Other, other, other translations say, your surgeon, your physician. Right? And so when you say, you are my healer, you're agreeing with the covenant. God can't lie. God can't lie. And so I have to recognize I have a covenant and then what it means. Hallelujah. The covenant that God made with Abraham is the basis of our relationship with God. It it is what opened the door for our relationship with God to be what it was. The covenant that God made with Abraham is what opened the door for God to get his son into the earth. No covenant with Abraham, the son of God doesn't get into the earth. Now we're saying that based on the information we have in the Bible. People will say, well, God would have figured out a way. Well, he didn't have to because Abraham believed him. All right? So, But the point is that we, we know this, but I need to bring, jog your memory. God needed Abraham's son because we needed his son. And the only way he could do that was to be in covenant with a man. He had to be in covenant with a man. Because. Because the seed of Abraham had to be born as a man. And the seed of Abraham had to be born as a man so that through the seed of Abraham, all nations could be blessed. So it couldn't be a spiritual thing. It had to be a natural thing. All nations could be blessed. And so God called this covenant His covenant. And we won't take the time to look at all these verses. Let's just go to uh, Genesis 17, 2. And I will make my covenant with you. Now, if you were to take the time to read verse 4, verse 7, verse 9, verse 10, verse 13, verse 14, verse 19, and verse 21, in all those nine verses, God calls the covenant His covenant. All right? Somebody said one more time. Uh, Verse 2, verse 7, verse 9, verse 10, verse 13, verse 14, verse 19, and verse 21. Nine times in Genesis 17, God called the covenant His covenant. Well, if He called the covenant His covenant once, that's enough. But He took the time to call it His covenant nine times. In one verse. Or one chapter. All right? Remember, he told the children of Israel in the book of in the book of Deuteronomy, he said, he said that God, the God we are in covenant with is the faithful God that keeps mercy and covenant unto a thousand generations. A generation is at the minimum 40 years, 40,000 years per believer. Amen. Psalm 89, he said, my covenant, I will not break my covenant, my covenant, I will not break. 
or alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. That word break means to dishonor or to devalue, right? Or to treat as dishonorable. God said, I'm not going to do that with my covenant. Hallelujah. So he called the covenant his covenant. And notice, verse 7, he said, it's an everlasting covenant. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you. Now see, let, let me, I'm, there's a lot of teaching points here tonight, so bear with me. I hope you brought your writing finger. <laughs> but every time you see and your seed, that's you. That's you. That's important. Because a lot of times people read that and they read Israelite. They read Hebrews. No, the seed of Abraham is you. That's you. Say that out loud. I am the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. And notice, he said with the seed of Abraham, notice, this covenant was for an everlasting covenant. To be a what? A God unto you and to your seed after you. It's everlasting. Everlasting. Never going to end. While we're on the earth, never going to end. Amen. Let's look at Genesis twenty-two eighteen. See, that's the covenant mindset. God said everlasting. Now, here's, here's the thing. What makes this covenant so solid is it's based on God's word. Men have broken the covenant. God cannot break covenant. I keep making this statement because I want you to see the severity of it. The covenant and the word of the covenant and the promise of the covenant is tied to the throne. It's everlasting. It has to be everlasting because God is everlasting. Anything that God says is of the same, is of the same uh, material as God. If God says it, God's in it. And if God's in it, it's of the material of God. So when God makes a promise, it's not a promise like many think of a promise. Well, I promised I would be there, but something came up. Nothing has ever come up with God. If He said it, that's it. That's why He said, I don't change. Right? Remember what He said in the book of Numbers? He said, he said concerning giving His Word, He said, God is not a man that He should lie, or the Son of Man that He should repent. Has He said it, and shall He not do it? Has he spoken it, and he'll make it stand firm. If God said it, then everything that God is, is behind what he said. And that's what, and, and you understand? So if God said, for instance, if God said, I, and he did, he said, I will contend with them that contend with you, and I will save your children, that's the pledge of your covenant partner that right now he is contending with those that are contending with you and he is saving your children. Period. I've had people say, are you worried your children won't go to heaven? Not a bit, not one lick. Why? Because my covenant partner said he would do whatever was necessary. 
Yeah, everybody has a will. And my covenant partner made a covenant promise that he would get the gospel to them to influence their will. So if God promised it, everything that God is is behind it. If I made a covenant with you, my covenant, the covenant that we make, is only as strong as the person behind it. Now think about this for a moment. What could Abraham give God? Nothing. What does God need? Well, he needed a covenant with a man. Right. But what was Abraham's part? The only thing we have to give to God that God, if we want to say it this way, needs is our faith and our obedience. But that's only so God can do what he can do in our lives. We give our faith and our obedience and we get God's ability in our life. Oh, glory to God. Genesis 22 and 18. And in your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Because, notice, you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham was promised that in his seed, or through his line, all nations of the earth would be blessed. Now, this was speaking of Isaac presently. And of a future seed. Speaking of Isaac presently. This is on Mount Moriah. In your seed. Isaac is the seed. But he's also speaking of a future seed. Through Abraham. God was able to get his covenant into the earth. And he found a man that would believe him and obey him. Now that sounds simple, but everybody that God ever made a covenant with, now this is the only one called the everlasting covenant, but everybody that God made a covenant with, he asked them for faith and obedience. He came to Noah. He said, I'm going to destroy the earth. I need you to obey me and build an ark. Is that right? And the moment they come off the ark, And Noah offered a sacrifice to God. It says God smelled a sweet savor. And he made a covenant with Noah. And what was the covenant? The covenant with Noah, we're we're still uh, uh, enjoying the benefits today. Because God said, here's my covenant. I will never again destroy the earth with a flood. That's why every time you see a flood today, it recedes. Why does it recede? Because God can't lie. God cannot lie. There are people telling you that that all the polar ice caps are going to melt and we're all going to get flooded. Impossible. Will not happen. Pastor, you're not a scientist, but I am a covenant man. And I know water cannot overcome the earth because God said it won't. Do you think God was so short-sighted that he put all these glaciers and polar ice caps on the earth and knew one day they were going to flood the earth and kill everybody? All you got got to do is watch what happens when you order a glass of water at the restaurant and they got ice in it and all the ice melts, but the water doesn't increase in your cup. Well, it's a covenant. Hallelujah. Now, there's coming a day of global warming. We're not going to be here. We're going to miss it. (laughs) 
God's covenant with Abraham during that time and the many years afterward, all right, it was uh, 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 4,000 years from Adam to Christ, all right? That time, the covenant primarily affected the children of Israel. Except for rare exceptions, all other people were excluded. All through the Old Testament, you see them called strangers, aliens, right? And there was a provision if a, a, a stranger or a Gentile or a non-covenant person wanted to become a proselyte and, and come and be with the Jews, God made a provision for that. But yet, it was something that they were still less than. All right? God, who cannot lie, said through the seed of Abraham all nations would be blessed. And he can't lie. Say that out loud. God can't lie. Whew. See, that's the covenant mindset. Wait a minute. My covenant partner can't lie. Not won't, he can't. And you might be in the 20th year of believing God for something he promised you. He can't lie. You're going to walk into it. It's going to show up. Hallelujah. The covenant is the vehicle for that blessing. But yet there had to be another man who would make the covenant available to every nation. And they had to be the seed of Abraham. And here again is the question, well, why? Because God said it would be the seed of Abraham. So it had to be the seed of Abraham. Yes, sir. Notice Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Remember, we're focusing here on you have a covenant. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Physical, not spiritual, physical. Jesus had to be a physical man to be the physical seed. The, the, the covenant was the vehicle, but there had to be a man that would make the covenant available to every nation. Jesus came into the earth with a natural earthly lineage. Notice it says here, the son of David, the kingly line. Well, you know, you can't be the king of kings if you weren't in line to be a king. God doesn't just use words. He doesn't just throw words around. He doesn't call you. Now, now, understand this. So why then are you called a priest and a king? Because you have a kingly lineage. Because you come out of a king. Do, do you see this? So he said in the book of Luke chapter 1, he said he will sit upon the throne of his father David. 
And the Bible tells us that during the thousand year reign, that is the throne that Christ will sit on, is the throne of David in Jerusalem. After the thousand year reign, Jesus turns that throne back over to David and turns all power and all authority back to the Father. Hallelujah. And then the new city, the new Jerusalem, comes to the earth. And the Father and the Son and us rule and reign on the earth forever and ever and ever and ever. Rule and reign. Rule and reign. Why, it's in our lineage. Because our covenant partner said so. That's what's so dangerous about people thinking of themselves as just old sinners saved by grace. And I'm not anything, brother. And I'm just a poor, weary pilgrim trodden through the heat and the cold. No, you're not. You're a king and a priest with a covenant with God Almighty. Hallelujah. Glory. He also said he's the son of Abraham. That's the covenant seed through whom all nations would be blessed. You know, remember when Jesus said they were talking to him and giving him a hard time? And he said, uh, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they said, what do you know about Abraham? You're not even 50 years old yet. You never even seen Abraham. He said, but your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and said, and he saw it. He saw it. See, that's that's important. Abraham knew what was coming. He knew that through his seed, all nations of the earth would be blessed. Notice in Matthew chapter 10, I, I I want you to put all these pieces together. Matthew 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Now notice this. Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and to any city of the Samaritans enter not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now notice, it doesn't call them strangers. It calls them lost. When you look in Isaiah and Jeremiah, over and over again, God calls His people, Israel, lost sheep. Because over, over the years, they had, replaced, they had replaced the service of God with their tradition. Jesus said that. And, and they were lost. They were out there. They, they were forgetting the covenant. And notice, He said, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, And preach the kingdom of heaven is here. Heal all the sick. Now wait a minute. Who are they healing? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you've received. Freely give. Now the point that I want to make to you is this. The good news came to the covenant people first. When you read Romans 9, Romans 10, Romans 11... God said that they were His people by election. Right? And remember Paul said, don't boast against the branch. He said, remember that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the church age or the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. He said, you need to be grateful that they were blinded because the fact that they were blinded brought you into this covenant. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the Bible says in one day all Israel will be saved. Why? Because their covenant God said that they would all be saved. This, this, is, not, this, this is not a book of might happen, could, maybe so. This is sure. This is positive. This is without doubt everything in it going to happen. Because it's a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. And what he said in Genesis 1 is covered by blood. And what he said in Revelation 22 is covered by blood. And it's covered with blood throughout. Every promise of God is dripping with covenant blood. It's sealed by the blood of God himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he said lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said cast out devils. He didn't say counsel them. He said cast them out. Well, what, so what does that mean? That means you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You cast out a devil, it goes. Why? Your covenant partner said it. And he gave you the, he gave you the one name that all seven names are encompassed in now. Everything that the seven compound names of God were is found in that one name, Jesus. And when you say in the name of Jesus, you're invoking the covenant. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. I'm invoking the covenant. Everything the man Jesus was, the name Jesus is. Amen. That, that, that's, that's why when the Hebrews would call him Jehovah Rapha, God showed up. Why? Because everything God is was found in that name Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. Hallelujah. But the, the Bible says, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Nothing was made without Him. By Him, everything was made. Without Him, nothing that's made was made. When you read on, it says there in John 1, it, it, uh, I better look at it, because it says in John 1, uh, verse 18, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. If you look at that in the Amplified Bible, it says, He has presented Him. He has, the Son has made, can, can you show me that in the Amplified Bible? This, do y'all got time tonight to yes, see sir. this? Oh, glory to God. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten God or the only begotten God who is in the bosom in the intimate presence of the Father. Watch, here it is. He has declared him. He has revealed him. Brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him and has made him known. Jesus made him, brought him out where he could be seen. Glory to God. That's why when Philip looked at Jesus and said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been such a long time with you that you don't know me, Philip? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. 
Everything that Jesus was is what the Father is. Amen. You can't separate Jesus from His name and you can't separate God from His name. All through the Scripture, when, when, when the Bible in the New Testament, in the epistles, talks about our peace, not when you're, you're not supposed to be anxious, and the peace of, the peace of, the peace of, the peace of Jehovah, Shalom, who is eternally existent as my peace, that peace, through the name of Jesus, will come into my life. I have a covenant of peace. I don't have to have things up in the air. It doesn't have to be topsy-turvy in my life. I don't have to have drama because I've got a covenant with God who cannot lie. And He said, when you don't have peace, I'll be your peace. That's why Jesus could step up on the bow of that boat and say, peace be still because it, it was the peace in Him that calmed the storm and shut the wind down. When you speak peace, you are invoking the name of God Himself into that circumstance. And your covenant partner who cannot lie will step up and make peace in that circumstance. You can be going through things and have perfect peace because you're in covenant with God. God is in covenant with you. Nothing moves you. That's why Paul could say, none of these things move me. That's why Paul could be in prison and say, I have all and I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things that you sent. That's why Paul could say, I have been uh, uh, in, the de in the deep a day and a night. He said, I've been under the threat of death, but here's what I believe. God that did deliver me does deliver me, and He will deliver me again. He had a covenant mindset. If God brought you out once, God will bring you out again. If God ever did anything for you, He will do it again. Because you have a covenant. He can't change. Woo! He can't change. Do, do you see that? And pe pe sometimes people say, well, 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 you know, God doesn't do that anymore. That, that is a lie. That's almost blasphemy. Because God can't change. Woo! And Jesus made him known. Brought him out into the open. Interpreted him. Jesus was the interpretation of the Father. If, right? Think, think about that. And what he said, he did. Glory. So the good news came to the covenant people first. Because God said. Now you're right there in John 1. Look at verse 9. That was the true light that lights every man that came into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own. And his own received him not. Came unto his own, came unto Israel, and they didn't receive him. I heard a minister say the other day, you know, that, that sometimes people think that, uh, uh, by and large, the Israelites rejected Jesus. And then he made this statement. He said, but 
you know, they, they really didn't. The religious leaders didn't, but the people didn't. It's not what the Scripture says. Scripture says he came to his own, and his own received him not. When you deal with covenant, you take the Bible literal. It says he came to his own, and his own received him not. You know, a God that has a covenant of prosperity with his people would not allow his son on the earth to live in poverty. This is important. Because how many times have you heard preachers with great effect and great emotion and great oratory skill talk about how the Lord came to the earth and walked in shoe leather and ate the bitter bread of poverty. Didn't have anywhere to lay his head. Well, that's erroneous. Well, Jesus himself, pastor, said the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I don't know where I'm staying tonight. You're wanting me to give you, right? The man, the man said, you know, let me go and do this. And Jesus said, come and follow me. He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests. I don't know where I'm staying tonight. We're traveling. But we know Jesus had a house, had a big house. People could stay all night with him. The disciples of John came, said, Master, where do you live? He said, come see. Jesus was charged with taking care of his mother. You don't think that Jesus was toting Mary around and putting her off on other people. Hey, Peter, can, can Mama stay with y'all tonight? Here, I'll give you one of my green food stamps. You can take her down to the store. Some of y'all don't remember that. Pastor Michelle and I had food stamps. You had red ones and green ones and yellow ones and... Oh, Jesus, you can buy a lot of commodity peanut butter and government cheese. Oh, Lord. But here's the, here's the point. Now, the reason I'm saying that, covenant God with a covenant of prosperity for his people, he's not going to be poverty stricken in the earth. It's important. He came to his own, his own didn't receive him. The covenant people didn't receive him. But notice what it says. It says, as many as did receive him, to them gave he power. The word power is the right or the privilege to become the sons of God. Now, wait a minute. The sons of God. Is that right? To be a son of God is to be brought into the covenant that God made with Abraham. When you become a son of God, by default, you become a son of Abraham. Because you have to be the seed of Abraham to partake of the covenant. Yes, sir. Romans chapter 2. Notice what Paul says here. Am I helping you? Yes, sir. Now remember, we're, we're focusing on you have a covenant. Say that out loud. I have a covenant. You got to remind yourself of that. When, when you see insufficiency in your life, you talk like you have a covenant. 
Why do you speak to insufficiency and tell it to leave your life? You have a covenant with God that said one of you would put 1,000 to flight and two of you would put 10,000 to flight. You have a covenant with God that says you are the head and not the tail, that you will be above only and not beneath. You have a covenant that God said, I will open the windows of heaven. Deuteronomy said, I will open my treasure house. And I will pour out upon you. I will fill your storehouses. That's in any area. Covenant people have to not put up with what violates covenant. You just, you just have to not put up with it. Brother, you got to remind yourself, I got a covenant. When they say, well, we don't know, we, 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 we can't give you a raise. I got a covenant. I got a covenant of increase. That's what he said. I, I will increase you more and more, you and your children, more and more. I am going to increase more next month than I increase this month. Matter of fact, I'm going to increase tomorrow more than I increase today. The, 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 the next years of my life are going to be the best years of my life up till then. And it's going to be a continual state of increase. Why? That's the covenant I have. There's no provision for decrease in the covenant. And that's why people will talk about whatever they want to talk about. Inflation. I, I don't even listen to the news and I hear about inflation. People worried about the price of bananas. Oh, man, this is going up and that's going up. And it wouldn't be the first time, would it? Listen, I'm looking around here, and I see a lot of y'all are, some of y'all are my age and younger. If you're a little older. You remember inflation. I remember sitting in gas lines. Well, what did you do? My parents just believed God. That's what we're going to do. Hallelujah. Well, what if gas keeps going up? Fill it up. That's what you're going to do. You're going to fill it up. Why? Because, because listen, the covenant, the covenant compensates for fluctuations in the earth. You're, you're not left to what man's left to. I have a covenant with God. Glory to God. Mm. Romans 2, 28. For he's not a Jew that's one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he's a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. The Amplified Bible says that this is a spiritual matter and not a literal one. So what that means is I'm not a Jew because I have Jewish blood. I'm a Jew because I was brought into the family of God and by virtue brought into the father of the Jews. Is my father Abraham? The answer is yes. Is your father Abraham if you're born again? Was Abraham a Hebrew? What's that? Well, if your blood father is a Hebrew, are you a Hebrew? You're a Hebrew. You see, you see what I'm saying? I'm a Jew. I've been brought into the family of God. 
I've been brought into the family of Abraham. That's the only way I can get in the covenant. Do you see that? Now people, sometimes people, they kind of tiptoe around that. This is, this is Bible. This is not Philip. This is Bible. I'm not telling you to go celebrate the feast and do all that. I'm, I'm telling you that to get into the covenant, you had to become a Jew. It's important. Yeah, but I'm black. Hey, you a black Jew. Yeah, but I'm Asian and I'm Hispanic. Yeah, that's right. Kosher tacos. Kosher wing fong songo. <laughs> Amen. It's important. <laughs> In other words, being a son of Abraham is a spiritual and not a literal matter. It's a spiritual and not a literal matter. Remember, the Bible says, He saith not as unto seeds, but as unto seed, one, and unto your seed, Christ. They are the seed by election. We are the seed by grace through faith. But yet we all partake, right? The, the, the Bible says they all drank of that spiritual rock, which was Christ Jesus. The gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us, but it did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. We mixed it with faith. Amen. Oh, glory. Look, look here at Ephesians 2. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad you came to church tonight. The, the, the reason why this changes your mindset is you never see yourself behind the eight ball. I can't be with a covenant with God. It's, it's a boldness that shows up. Amen. Amen. When you know you have a covenant with God, religious people think you're arrogant. Amen. Well, for instance, if you boldly proclaim, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you just choked about 20 religious people. <coughs> what comes with the covenant? Right standing with God. Amen. I had a, a gentleman one time in the prison. I've, I knew him for years. That's how long he'd been in prison. I met him in jail, in the county jail. And, uh, and, and when I would go to the prison and minister, uh, different prisons, I'd see him because he was working his way down the tier to get released. And uh, the last time I saw him, the last time I saw him, I was ministering in uh, Lansing at the Bible study we had up there, Lansing, Kansas. We did that for, I think, seven years, eight years. And in any event, uh, I was ministering, and I was ministering along the lines of who we are in Christ. And, uh, man, people were coming. Guys were coming, packing that room out. They, they couldn't figure out how nobody else could get anybody to come, and we were full, packed out, standing room only. Well, we were, we were teaching who you are in Christ, teaching victory. Amen. They didn't come in there, and we didn't tell them because you're a convict. People aren't going to like you, and you don't have any hope, and you can't make it. 
Well, that guy was sitting in the back, and I saw him after the service, and, uh, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm, I'm, I'm loving. I'm considerate. And I thought, well, I'm going to go back there and talk to him. I hadn't seen him. And I went back there and, and uh, went to shake his hand and stuck my hand out, and he just looked at me, and he goes, you're just as arrogant as ever, aren't you? I'm looking around. Who's he talking to? Well, see, his, his mindset was if you talk about who God's made you, then you're arrogant. Is what God said about you true? What's that? Then why would you hide it? Why would you be embarrassed about it? You know, when I was a boy growing up in church, pastors and their wives didn't wear new clothes to church because the people might think they were spending their money on wives. You'd get things bought for you and you'd say, now don't tell anybody you got that. That's a horrible way to grow up. That's a horrible way to to think. Amen. Well, here's the point that I'm making. Why would you hide it? If you don't talk about being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the enemy will beat your brains out with condemnation and guilt and shame. And righteousness is part of your covenant contract. Amen. Here's the sad thing. That guy had been diagnosed with throat cancer. The answer was what he was calling arrogant. Amen. I don't know what happened to him. I never saw him again. But the point that I'm making is when you start talking about your covenant and you start talking about I can't lose and you start talking about I always win, I'm more than a conqueror because of the covenant that God has with me, people will call you arrogant. They won't understand it. But what are you going to do? I'm not going to be broke for anybody. I'm not going to be sick for anyone. I'm not not going to downplay my role with God for anybody. Why? Because if, if you don't act on the covenant, the covenant goes unfulfilled in your life. And i got to act on all of it. Hallelujah. Now, Ephesians 2, verse 10, I'm hurrying a little bit. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works that God's ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember, in time past, you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time, notice, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, notice, having no hope, And without God in the world. But now in Christ. You who were sometimes far off are made nigh. Watch. The Bible is a covenant book. Sealed with blood on both ends. You are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Brought into the covenant. The Amplified Bible says you had no knowledge of or right in God's agreements. His covenants. And you had no hope. No promise you were in a world without God. 
Before salvation, we were strangers to the covenant. No hope, no hope, no covenant. The covenant God made with Abraham made the promise of hope possible. The Bible says that what the covenant did for Abraham was give him hope. Because Abraham, God showed up and said, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And Abraham said, what could you possibly give me seeing I'm childless? No hope. Remember what the Bible says? Against hope. Abraham believed in hope. Where did he get the hope? Covenant. God swore. God promised. This is what's going to happen. And Abraham saw God walk through those pieces. And he said, okay, this is the real deal. And from then on, then on, he never lost hope. Why? He had seen God walk through blood. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ walked through blood. To bring you into this covenant. You have hope. The Bible says, remember Titus 1, 2. God, who in hope of eternal life. God, who cannot lie in hope of eternal life. Has promised. Jesus made all the provision that he made to give you hope. Glory. Now you can take this down. Matthew 15, 24 through 28. This is when the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus. If you'll notice something about the Gentiles that Jesus healed, you know, when you read through the four Gospels, you only see two Gentiles that Jesus healed. The Syrophoenician woman and the centurion servant. This important. Because when, when you look at, at this woman, she has no hope. She's a Gentile and she has no hope. There's no way of getting her, her child delivered. There's no way of getting her set free. If Jesus doesn't help her, there's no hope. And he, she comes to Jesus and says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus looked at her and said that. What was he saying? You don't have a covenant. Well, that was mean. No, that was right. Wasn't mean, it was right. That's a picture of you and I before Christ. Without God. No hope. Don't you remember how your life was before you got saved? You had no hope. Everything that came destroyed you. Everything that showed up knocked you over. Everything that came into your life just ran you around the circle. Glory to God. What happened when you got born again? You got hope. I mean, if it wasn't anything other than I'm going to heaven one of these days. You got hope. Hallelujah. Then the woman came and worshipped him. And Jesus said, it's not right for me to take the bread of the covenant children and give it to you. You don't have a covenant. Do you see this? I heard a man say one time that Jesus made a borderline racial statement. No, he didn't. It wasn't an issue of race. It was an issue of covenant. It wouldn't have mattered if she was black, white, purple, polka dot. You don't have a covenant. And because you don't have a covenant, I am not authorized. As the son of God, as the son of David, as the son of Abraham, to give you provision out of this covenant. But boy, she did something. She did something. She hit the trigger that was going to work for every Gentile that ever came to Jesus. 
Do you remember? I, I, now I know I'm taking a minute. Y'all got one minute? Do you remember? You see this in reverse in the Old Testament. You see areas in the Old Testament where Old Testament saints tapped into grace by faith. In the, in the Gospels, you see Gentiles tapping into the covenant by faith. When David sinned, remember? Now, now he may have sinned a couple times, but in this instance, remember? Uh, uh, he murdered Uriah and committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now, you've read your Bible. What was the penalty for both of those sins? Death. Is that right? But when Nathan said, you're the man, what did David do? Fell on his face. And remember what he wrote in the book of Psalms? Against you only have I sinned. Purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Yeah. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Is that right? And Nathan hadn't even got out the door. And he turned around and said, the Lord says he's heard your prayer and he's forgiven your sin. How? There was no sacrifice. There was no lamb slain. He tapped into grace. He God has always wanted people to get into this thing. And if he can get them to just exhibit faith, he'll, he'll take it. And the woman said, yes, Lord, I understand. See, she, we have always, uh, Lord, help me say this right. We have always interpreted this spiritually. She's interpreting this literally. Okay, I know how a literal dog is. And yes, you're right. According to your bent, I am but a dog. But here's what I know about dogs in people's houses. That even if they don't get to sit at the table, they still get the crumbs of what the children are eating. And, and, and Master, if you'll just give me a crumb as a dog, my, it'll heal my daughter. And Jesus said, oh woman, great is your faith. Go your way, your daughter's cured. And the Bible says in the book of Luke that she went home and found her daughter free. The covenant that God made with Abraham worked for a Gentile because they exhibited faith. Your part of the covenant is faith and obedience. But you're not a Gentile. You are part of the household of God. You have been brought into the family of God, made an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. You have a right to the covenant. It's what the Bible says. Romans 8, 15 and 17. <laughs> it says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Now here's what I want to ask you. We know he's the son of God. Who else is he the son of? Abraham. I am an heir and a joint heir with the son of Abraham. If I'm an heir and a joint heir with the son of Abraham, I'm an heir and a joint heir of the covenant with Abraham. Because the Bible said that the covenant that God made with Abraham was to his seed and their seed after them for an everlasting covenant. We, and then notice, this is, this is so important. Then the next verse says, verse uh, 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 17. Uh, go, go to the next part of that, please. Uh, actually, show me verse 15, Romans 8, 15, we, uh, so we can be done. We have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, 
we've received the spirit of adoption. I've been adopted into the family of God. And when I came into the family of God, you cannot be in the family of God and not be a recipient of the covenant because God's the originator of the covenant. The covenant came with the family. You know, there are certain benefits that just come with being a steel. It's just you're a steel. Whether it's at the house, it could be something minor. Steel children don't walk in my house and ask to get in the refrigerator. I'm their dad. That's their home. Isn't that right? When your kids, grown kids or not, if when they come to your house, they've never paid the mortgage, they've never paid the lights, they've never paid a bill, but that's their house. They call it going home. Why? Because they're a steel, they're a swagger, they're a Clemens, they're an Alexander. Amen. I saw evidence of that Sunday. Pastor Larry was talking about where they wanted to go eat, and Sarah said, where, where do we want to go? I said, she wants to go where you're going because you're paying. She said, that's right. Well, I didn't see anybody else stepped up to Dad Clemens and say, I want to go and you can buy my lunch. But I saw the covenant daughter step up and say, I want you to buy my lunch. Right? All you got to do is remember this, that your covenant is sealed in blood. And is, it is only a request away from functioning in your life. Just a request away. Because why? What's the covenant say? Call unto me and I will hear you. And I'll show you some things. Great and mighty things. Things that you don't know. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 2, it says this. It said that, 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 that part of the covenant was that the Holy Spirit would come into the earth. And because of the covenant, the Holy Spirit is in the earth. And it says that the Holy Spirit will lead me and guide me and direct me. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says he will show me things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, the natural heart has never thought of. Based on the covenant. Boy, you better stand up. I'll preach all night. I, I could pull a Paul right here. Whew. We're going to preach on this all year. All year. We're going to preach on it all year long. And uh, people say, you got that much in you? Oh, yeah, I got a lot of more. Got more than that. Amen. I've only been percolating on this for 25 years.